ignition rings, glove box pulls, and keychains. Custom accessories made by Project Therapy. On this week's podcast, we talked to Kevin Nagatani, who's the founder of Project Therapy and the guy that's creating all kinds of cool accessories for your VWs, stuff as cool as reflector jack plugs that have flashlights built into them, accessory uh, rings and knobs, and all kinds of stuff for your VW. So on this week's podcast, we interview him, find out what makes him tick, his background, and how he got into making really cool niche accessories for your Volkswagen. So if you haven't heard of Project Therapy, go follow him now on Project Therapy on Instagram and uh, follow along on this podcast. But before we get into that, I want to make sure you guys know to go subscribe to the podcast at whatever media source you're approaching the podcast from. Go to Apple iTunes and give us a five-star review and leave comments, and we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. Don't forget, we got three new shirt styles out. They're pretty dope. I got a classic, a ringer tee, and an updated new Let's Talk Dubs podcast t-shirt. So don't forget to support your boy. Go on letstalkdubs.com slash store and support. And now a word from our sponsor, Ross Wolf. Tired of the same old stuff for your VW? Check out Ross Wolf. They have a variety of accessories for your VW. Gas tank clamps, fender washer kits, IDA jet covers, distributor clamps, velocity stacks, and body to pan kits. All constructed of T6 6061 aluminum, anodized in a variety of colors. One of the coolest pieces that I personally like is their locking dipstick. Jason and Jared started this company to fill the void in the VW parts industry where customers receive the service they deserve. Where did the name Ross Wolf come from? Well, check out rosswolf.com to read about a man whose commitment to performance was only matched by his dedication to quality parts. To check out more, go to rosswolf.com and check back often for an always expanding catalog. That's rosswolf.com. R-O-S-S-W-U-L-F.com. Rosswolf.com. So support those that support Let's Talk Dubs podcast. Make sure you check out our sponsors so that you can support them because they support us. If you guys have any questions or comments for the podcast, make sure you email me at bill at letstalkdubs.com. If you want to be a sponsor for the podcast, send me an email at the same email address. Without any further ado, guys, let's get into this week's podcast with Kevin Nagatani from Project Therapy. So if you guys ever been surfing on Instagram and you come across something that's super cool and then you start going down the rabbit hole of all these things and sometimes it's photographs or pictures of cars or even sometimes things that people make. Well, I ran across an Instagram page called Project Therapy and when I ran across this page, uh, I knew based on the products that I saw that were available, this this guy had to be an enthusiast because these, pro- these products that he was selling, these uh, accessories for VWs were so specific to Volkswagen and to the hobby that I knew that this guy couldn't just be your commercial corporate Joe Schmo and just spitting out some products that were this detailed and cool. So I tracked him down and on today's show, I've got Kevin Nagatani from San Marcos, California, who runs Project Therapy. And I wanted to bring him on the show and we'd talk a lot about his history and how all this kind of comes together. So Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, I really appreciate you uh, uh, having me come on your podcast um it's a pleasure for sure yeah so when i was on um when, when i when i was on your instagram page i saw you know a lot of really cool stuff 
And I knew that based on the stuff that you had, that, that you have to have a VW story. There's no way that a guy's producing this unique of products and that's market specific like it is and doesn't have a VW story. So what is your VW story? Well, my, my brother and I, um, I have a twin brother, identical, and we, um, we took over our parents' uh, 73 Super Beetle when we turned 16. Right. So that was our first um, entry into the VW scene. But we got, like, wounded, and we hit the guy in front of us not more than, like, two months after we, was, we were driving to high school and back and forth. So we bought the car back from the insurance because it, it was total. And uh, our dad kind of just guided us to figure out a way to, to, to get it back on the road again because the front end was smashed and the back was smashed. So, you know, at that time, you know, we just bought these aftermarket sheet metal pieces and just slapped everything back together and kind of just drove that thing back. But we um, we worked for our dad and um, – he he worked on um, this woodworking business, so mm-hmm. we were always working with our hands um, as a kid. And ironically, two doors down from his shop was a shop um, we grew up in San Jose, California. Uh, was a bug store called Bugs Only, yeah, and it was run by Rob Stefani. And uh, Rob was a pretty young guy at that time, and um, during the mid '80s, when when we were kind of doing this stuff you know because we were at the shop with our dad we would just see all these cow bugs coming in into you know, the parking lot all day and so that just kind of how it all started and we got rid of the super beetle and realized that older cars uh were cooler and so that sort of began the beginnings of um getting deeper into you know just you know, working on the cars learning how to work on them um, I'd say we, my brother and I, we, we, um, we got deeper into the body and paint side of things, uh-huh. uh, versus the mechanical and engine. Um, so, you know, we, we, we got into sort of taking them apart and, you know, we just put them back together like models. Um, it was like, you know, models is, is sort of what our true passions were when we were kids. Yeah. So like the cars were just another evolution of of that but just being more you know scale-wise one-to-one and so i'd say that was that was the beginning of it all and then so you so you followed the vw scene you were an enthusiast in the 80s during high school and all that kind of stuff and then at some point you you kind of life changes things happen and you get out of the vw scene for a little bit yeah i just you know i i think um going into college and um that path took me into, um, you know, I tried to take all the things that I felt like I was interested in. And, um, it kind of led into, I, I chose industrial design mm-hmm. and that um, kind of path of college and first job and just working in, in the industry. It took me away from the VW scene completely. I wasn't thinking about doing a car and I, I didn't have the, I, I knew doing the cars the way I, we did them in high school, it was so demanding of just time and um, space. And, sure. And I, and I knew I didn't have that at that time. Uh, I was just focused on kind of building the career going. And it, it, it took about 10 to 15 years to kind of say, 
you know, what's going on with, with the VW world again. And um, I think in, in, the, in the early 2000s, I, I, I picked up an oval window and kind of got back into it. But it was interesting doing that because, you know, I felt like I, I had done cars when I was kind of a kid. Mm-hmm. And then my adult life kind of took me in my career. And then getting back into cars and doing one with a little bit of uh, just time and just seeing what was going on with the way the VW scene had changed. And well, and, it, it was fun. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you first get into the VW scene, and, you'll, and, and as you hear on the podcast a lot, a lot of guys' stories start with like a late model, 70s, Super Beetle, stuff like that. When you come back into the VW scene and you've got the financial wherewithal to kind of pick your entry point, yeah, you pick yeah. You, you pick up an oval window, which the irony of that being that you're into industrial design, which is more contemporary, modern day type stuff. And then there's this retro aspect of of a beetle. And for the most part, the beetles are all the same, you know, from the general uh-huh. population's perspective from, you know, the 50s all the way to the 70s. Yeah, but yeah. how do you. You know, when you look at a beetle, especially having a background in industrial design, how do you have now that you've you've been in that industrial design world? Do you have a different appreciation of the simplicity and the functionality of the beetle? Absolutely. I mean, the the, the beetles from a just the the, the, the engineering of. Um, everything about how they handled all the details and how things came together. Um, it, it, it's so simple yet as a, a product designer, I realized the simplicity of designing, it's so hard. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you make something with just one screw? Yet it has to perform all these functions, that sort of mindset. And knowing that the way the beetle was assembled, um, you know everything about the way they knew that as millions were rolling down the line, it, it had to be that way. And, and I think as, you know, as I compare the early, early ones and obviously safety standards and a whole bunch of other things came into consideration as, 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 as the design evolved. But, you know, it's like there's a part of me that um, I, I just really appreciate um, everything about you know, there's this function aspect of the beetle, and there's this aesthetic part of the beetle that it's just like nothing like it. I mean, it, it, it's interesting how the the lines and the, the the sculptural aspects of what was created back at that time. I think when I think of the the eras of like the the 30s and 40s is where I think a, a lot of the the similarities mm-hmm. um, kind of I, I can put puzzle pieces together of the shape of the beetle obviously it has its own iconic uh, profile but there's a lot of details of like that split window definitely has you know aspects of some of the fords that had similar split windows right so uh, you know there's just um you know so much about everything is, is like period but the beetle kind of kept it going you know where i think some of the american design had had left it behind and they had moved into another spirit well the beetle kind of maintained its dna and i and i kind of equate it like if we're going to equate it to something that we can relate to in this world 
I'll say I'll equate it like uh, like a Mac to a PC, right? And, and the yeah, way at uh, least that I see it, like with the Mac, it's designed for the end user where the PC, although it's designed for the end user to get in and, and, and to make things together and, and they've gotten better at it, but Mac took the position of engineering it to the point that the end user could utilize as much of it as possible. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? From sure. connecting a printer to doing this to where on your PCs it would be so difficult. You got to call your computer guy because your PCs because your printer's not working, and you got to get the drivers and all this stuff to where yeah. Yeah. to where the engineering side of the Mac they've already taken that into consideration and built in the the uh, you know artificial intelligence into the computer to say okay when you sense this thing being plugged in automatically go find the drivers and then load the drivers without having to go through you know this whole process and make it seem yeah. seamless. Uh-huh. And, and I look at the Beetle, right? And we're starting in 19, 1943. They're doing, you know, prototypes and whatnot. And they're starting with a torsion bar front suspension. And this torsion bar front suspension stays active up until 1973. You're talking 50, <laughs> yeah. 50 years almost of, you know, of this front suspension that's unlike any other car. I, I don't think in 1965... I don't know of any other mass-produced vehicle that had a torsion bar front suspension. Yeah, right. You know, and so at, at least longitudinal, you know, longitudinal torsion bars to the chassis versus, you know, some of the cars had with, with it like an A-arm versus trailing arms, and they had like a long torsion. They used a torsion principle, but it was like one of those designs where VW hit it off so good. The only other car that I, I believe is comparable in maintaining the same basic design for so long as the 911, mm-hmm. which which we know that that design is based off of the original Beetle, you know the chassis, the underpinnings, and the and, and a minor evolution. But interestingly enough, as you follow the changes on on the Beetle from the early from the late late 40s up until the late 70s, you know you're you're talking about vehicles that. Any and all improvements were done not for anything unnecessary. Either it was safety mandated or it was ease of end user, you know, whether it's the exterior gas door. You know, we went yeah. from no no hood springs to hood springs. I mean, like we're talking it was like my, minor differences, but yeah. Yeah. every difference was something that was thought of that would wouldn't it never change the functionality of the vehicle and it wasn't like a different thing to drive altogether up until you get to where i think volkswagen realized okay listen the you know how long can we hold on to this from the 40s to the 70s which let me correct myself that was 30 plus years you know of the same basic design and then we're going to switch to in 1969 go to an irs rear end and then go to in 73 go to the torsion or, or to the mcpherson strut front end and try to modernize the car while maintaining its core base and so you know when you're when you work with a project like that and i think there's been a million people that have tried to accessorize volkswagens right there's been i mean over the past 25 years when accessories started getting hot you've seen so many accessory companies come and go and i think part of that is everybody just thinks oh i'll make something cool and shiny that bolts on around the door handle or something that goes around the emergency brake boot or whatever and they over, they over accessorize the vehicle where it no longer becomes 
this simple piece of machinery that has this 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 minute elegance of uh, like I'm looking at your the the e-brake buttons right it's a, it's a simple thing but adds a unique touch to the vehicle that would be something that could possibly have been an accessory back in the day and I, and it, for all I know it very well could have been but they were minor simple things that would add some character to something without changing something's functionality you know what what was the first product or I, what I really want to talk about is when was that point where you thought because what you do during day as far as industrial product design and things like that what was the first thing you came up with and what and how hard is it to do to take something that you do for work every day or since that's your business do you just see life that way now like you always look on how to improve something or, or add something and it was just natural progression now that you now have a Volkswagen what kind of cool things could I do within the world of what I do? You know what I mean? How, how did that take place? Yeah. And I, um, you know, I think the very first piece was, um, it was, this is how, how strange things go. I was, um, finishing a restoration on, on one of my cars. And I think like I scratched an area of the door jam, uh, and just, I'm so pissed off that, you know, it's like, oh, I can't believe this one thing I'm so paranoid of doing, I, I did. And so I just like, you know what, this area can't be covered up with one of those uh, oil service decals. You right. Know? And then they'll sort of take care of it. So I just went on eBay, bought one, and it didn't dawn on me that, you know, these these existed on, on I think, a lot of the, the 60s, 70s, and maybe even up into the 80s, the gas stations would put those service decals on the door jams. So I just felt, yeah, you know what, there's a lot of these out there. So I just picked a couple of them up, put it on, and and then just at some point, I just realized, like, you know, this is like, I could customize this um, and, and make it a little bit more as if it came from, like, maybe a dealer. Mm-hmm. Um it had that look and feel. So I just made one. Um, and then I put it online and, and guy, it, it got some interesting reaction. And that was the beginning. I was just like, you know what? <laughs> this, the, the, the things that I do at work, whether it's a graphic part of a product or the physical design of something. Um, in the beginning, I wasn't doing many parts. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the oil service decal, um, I just made uh, a few more designs, a few more iterations, and then I, I moved into some artwork with some T-shirts. And then someone, someone came to me and said, "You know, um, the the GHE grand panel gasket on the ovals. Um, there's a guy on the East Coast that makes them, but he's just not. He's not. He's hard to get a, get a hold of. And I, I had bought one a set from him a while back, and and it's like, you know." I realized that it was hard to get the parts from him as well. It's like I needed another set. So I said, you know what? This seemed like a problem with a lot of people is that there's a couple parts. Um, and now I'm, I'm coming to realize there's a ton of parts that just aren't in production. Right. For whatever reason, there's a lot of reasons. And so I just thought there's a gap that I feel like I can use my my computer skills of, of, of the part, part and CAD design. And I can I can redo it, um, and 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 just fill that, fill the gap of uh, you know, 
not a lot of these that the, the market needs, but there's enough to where it, it, it allows the community to move forward. And because I, I had to make my own little foam gasket for my car, and I knew it, it wasn't what I wanted, but I wasn't thinking at that time to say, you know what, let's go, let's get into the computer and actually design the part. Sure. And, and let, let's sort of do it the way it actually should. So that that was, you know, I have to honestly say that um, there's there's creations of my own concepts and ideas um, that are on the pages. But then there's a handful of stuff that really have to give uh, credit to the community because they're essentially saying, you know, there's a piece part that nobody makes and we all need it. Is it something that you could think about possibly doing? And and then I'll, I'll just take a look at it and 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 just see if it's within my scope of uh, being able to make it. And so that's where I think the community is is as more time goes on and more people see that I, I can help them. Um, you know, the more they then I, then my I think information gets out there that you know, hey, can, can you do this? You know, so and so. Yeah, um, I said, yeah, let's take a look at it. Um, some things, I, I have to be very honest. Like certain materials, certain ways things are put together, I have to say, no, I can't. You know, it's hard for sure. me to do glass. It's hard for me to do metal. I can do metal in certain areas, but then there's other areas I just, ah, I have to, I have to pass on it. So. So, like for, right. for, yeah. for example, like the keychains, the keychains that you do, which are kind of cool. You've got a bunch of different wheel designs for the keychains. Mm, okay. And and I saw those, and I thought, now are those are those a cast piece, or are they plastic, or what are those made of? Yeah, those are metal, and those are probably the only pieces in my uh, my catalog, if you will, that I would say are, are mass produced. Mm -hmm. um, there is, um, I have to give credit to. Dave Craig, who actually has been in the industry for a long time, he, he actually co-founded Bugs for You back in the day, uh -huh. and um, he he got out of the VW scene, and then he, we connected um, uh, about a year ago. He said, "You know, is there anyone making your keychains for you?" I said, "No, these are just concepts. That I need to find someone to help me make them." He said, "Well, let's talk because I have I have manufacturing." Um, basically partners that, that can make these. And so that, that set off a direction of being able to truly get them made and in a way that I, I felt the quality was really good. And, um, in a scale that I, I felt like we could get off of them at a, at a good price. And so, yeah, D Dave, Dave was instrumental in, in helping me get that off the ground. Um, so I have to really give him credit. He's at NFS sport design and, he does uh, an array of different um, products in, in the other markets of hot rod and some American muscle stuff. Right. Um, but, but he was, you know, it's crazy because his roots were VW. Sure. Um, and so when he, he, he saw my stuff, he goes, oh, man, you're bringing me back to this world. I, this is where I got started. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. I mean, I, you know, it's definitely unique stuff that you that you have on your uh, on, on your Instagram page, Project Therapy, and then you've also got your Etsy page where all your stuff's available for purchase. And 
you know, you looking at it, it's it's something that you know it's always nice when you're at work and you're annoyed by something or whatever. But you look at your keychain, you look at your little keychain. It's got your something that reminds you of your Volkswagen. You're like, oh yeah, when I get home, I'm gonna go drive my Volkswagen. Or if you're lucky enough to live like in San Marcos, California, you can drive it to work. You know, but not out here in the desert where it's a hundred and you know, hundred thousand degrees in the summertime. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not the the funnest thing to do. But you know, those little those little parts and pieces. You know, it's funny because. I think as VW enthusiasts, we keep, we, we like little keepsakes and we always get, you know, friends of ours that, oh yeah, it's easy to go get something for Bill. Just go get him anything that says VW on it and I'll just give it to him. Yeah. And a lot of times yeah. we get stuff where we're like, why would you give me this? But you know, we have, because with Volkswagens, it becomes so much part of our, as much as we, as much as we just say, oh, you know, it was something I did when I was a kid, it eventually turns into something that really is is like a lifestyle thing you know and yeah i think it's i think it's the only that i can think of it's the only lifestyle hobby that has such a diverse and eclectic group of individuals that participate in it because you know the vw being from a from a non-enthusiast standpoint just a generic bunch of vehicles but there's so many different levels of enthusiasts from you know the stock vintage guys to the custom guys to the guys that only collect really rare whatever you know whether it's coach built cars or you get a guy that just specializes in electrical components or accessories or you know there's 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 guys that just obsess over jacks like the factory jacks there's so many different iterations of the jacks and restorations of the jacks and there's so many different plateaus that that this one community can go on that you know you get two guys on the phone one's an industrial designer one's a one's a, a tile contractor you know what i mean but it's like when, yeah, when yeah. it comes to our off time we want to see ourselves cruising our little volkswagen and it's it's so it, it's such a basic design that connects to so many people on so many different levels you know and you know l- looking at the array of stuff that you have, you know, you've got the, the, the bat wing keychains, and you've got, I mean, you just got a cool variety of stuff. Now, one of the things I see on here that's pretty unique is the hood prop push knob. Mm, talk, okay. talk to me about the hood prop push knob. That's for, uh, you know, the, the early cars without spring loaded hoods, the six, I was at 61 and earlier. Yeah. 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 I, it, it, it's, um, I, I guess it's like the hood prop came from um, it's it's that feeling of like um, like a lot of the things that, that I, I, I try and just approach uh, all of the, the pieces I've done as uh, there's this a little bit of problem solving mm-hmm. and some of it's just pure visual pure styling and and some of it's pure like um, you know, if if you didn't know the VW, how would how would you like um, if you would get and sit in the car, would you know how everything worked? And right. If you were to open up the hood, would you know how to operate that um, that me- that mechanism of of that of that latch for, for like the hood, for example? And I, I I look at it as like, you know, for someone that doesn't know it the way we know it. There's a little bit of like um, confusion, uh, but the the design is good because it's it's very simple. And once someone shows you, or once you you see how it operates, 
don't know. It's like you, you don't think about it. But I, I think from a, 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 just a, a user experience, and this is where I think the, my, my doing my, my work and all the, the, my career sort of angle on like approaching uh, a design is like, how do you, how do you make the car or the product? How do you love the, the person using it? Um, if they, they have no experience, they walk up to it. How do you instruct them to know how to do it without um, any instructions? Right. And um, the hood prop button, for example, is just, you know, when I look at that, that bar, I'm just like thinking, how would someone know how, how to raise it up or lock it? And so just the button was just like, if there's any visual cue that your hand would, would go to that little area of, of, of the, of the, you know, strut piece that they would maybe have something to experiment to say it has to do with holding it or moving it or something in this area activates something. Right. And it, it, it was just that. Um, and, um, yeah, it's sort it's sort of like, um, the other, like, I go back to one of the other things is like, um, I hadn't been in the, the, my car for a, it was a while and I was just looking, looking at the knobs and I was thinking, wow, is that the headlight or is that the wiper? Like, <laughs> I don't want to pull it because I don't want the blade to scrape the glass without it being wet. Right. So it's just, I think, you know what, what if there was just little, little letter icons on these knobs? Um, sure. And then that, that would just give some clue that, okay, W's wiper and H's headlight. So that, that was that, that design, uh, for example, of how that kind of moved, moved uh, forward. And it, it's like, I, I tried to just be very careful, like, you know, does this look like it should be there with the factory design team back in the 1950s, 60s? Would they even would they do that visually? Maybe, right. maybe not. I mean, obviously, I, I know why they didn't do it. There's too many languages, you know, within the, the exports of where these things went that it'd be, it wouldn't make sense for them to, hey, this car's going to go to Brazil or this is going to go to Japan. <laughs> the lettering of the function doesn't work. Um, so I understand why it's just, it's blank and that there's a minimal, uh, aspect of manufacturing and they don't have to manage all that but i think it's like from you know we're, we're, we own the cars now and you know if it's the american market i'm selling the the knobs to then there's not much to get crazy about but you know it it's a uh, it, it's that I, I try and think of the function quite quite a bit to make sure it it, it has some some good story behind it um absolutely i mean some things and they used to they used to remember uh back in the day seeing an oval window uh at one of the yards that uh, we hung out with as as a a young group of enthusiasts and there was an oval window back in the back and it had labels under every switch that were english and german labels and what it would say headlights and then it would say it in german and then you know and so uh, clearly it was an issue that uh a lot of people we're dealing with, but you know, that's how VW handled it. And there was accessory stickers that people made for things to that extent that mm, help yeah, you yeah. help you see that stuff. But I just thought it was 
you know, pretty neat when I saw it. I thought I saw those pieces that you made and and it's it's interesting because the pieces that you make are unique and they're they're functional pieces. You know, you do the the little light that sits on the back side of the the rear view mirror, which is kind of cool. It could be universal. And as I look at it, I think like, oh, that's cool, man. It looks like a little Pope's nose. And then I thought, yeah, but what if you got a later model and you got the wider, <laughs> you got the wider license plate light, but then the wider license plate light opens it up. So if you go with the wider license plate light, it opens you up to 64 and later beetle as well as yeah, exactly. Gia, Gia style or, you know, different, different type of uh, rear, rear license plate lights. Yeah, but right. it's just kind of cool how the design the design ties together, you know, my, my brother, uh, my brother, George, who owns the wagon was building uh, a car for uh, some clients and friends of ours uh, and for the West family. And they were doing the stereo system. And, you know, we were talking about, he wanted to put rear like speakers in the rear kick panels, but he wanted, he didn't want them to have like just cheesy looking grills and whatnot. And then we were talking and I said, well, why don't you just take the why don't you take the taillight grills and use those? And so there's the, the, the ring on the late model 64 and later taillight that the taillight sits on. And oh, then yeah, yeah. the chrome ring was set in the rear kick panels and cloth was put over that. Meanwhile, it's, oh, cool. it's, a, it's a factory VW part reconstituted yeah. for the rear speakers. And it just looked it just looked super cool. You know what I mean? Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of there, there's a lot of where you can tie those things together. And then I mean, I guess you probably get people reach out to you quite. Do people reach out to you quite a bit to make things? Yeah, it's. Um, I'd say in the first year, year and a half, there wasn't much. But I get uh, in recent times, uh, you know, like it just word gets out, and then you know, there's more, more, more communication with with the community, and you know, you, you get to sort of share share the possibilities of, you know yeah, that's possible or, oh, that's, that's out of my wheelhouse. So yeah, that, I, I'm enjoying being able to meet, meet more people. And what I really feel like it, it's allowed me to, is to, to get out of the type one world. Um, Cause I feel like that, that is my, that's my core because sure. it's, it's what I have in the garage. But as I, as I just um, get the, the requests that are outside of the bug, um, it, it's sort of like, I just realized the type three, type three gear, bus gear, they're in their own world of, of everything um, in terms of what their needs are, how it's designed. So it definitely, uh, it's, it's making me learn about the other cars now. Um, and cause I think it, there's no doubt the passion for the gear. It's, you know, everyone typically, I feel like, you're either a bus, you're a Gia. Some people cross over and they're into both. Right. Um, two or three models. But I feel like, generally speaking, people tend to stick to one of them and mm -hmm. then really dig deep, um, whether it's a bug or bus or yeah, or, Yeah, I don't know if you, if you know Lee Hedges down there. He's He lives down yeah. there. And he's, he's obsessed, you know, with a, yeah. with a Type 34. I, I've yeah. got it. I've I had a Type 34 that I sold a little while back, and I've got a new project that's soon to be one day getting on schedule to be restored. But you know, with the Type 34 Gia, for the most part, VW went back to the same parts bin. So let's say like the the this the seat knob for Type 34 yeah. Gia 
is similar to like bay window bus style seat knob or type three, but it's, a, you know, the things are just a little bit different, a little bit askew, but there are so many parts and pieces for the type 34 Ghia, whether it be sun visor clips or, you know, the, the grab handle or whatever that are really unique specifically to the type 34. And yeah, that, that's that when he came over and he brought his parts that he was interested in working on, I just realized that if, if there's any car within the lineup, it's the type three Gia is, is almost the most like, uh, unique, luxurious, and yet at the same time, rare, yeah. um, in terms of how many were produced. So like he just said, you know, there's probably 2000 in the world right now. Yep. And it's sort of like, you know, I'm kind of the gatekeeper for the community and it's, it's like, wow, it's like, that's, that's interesting to know about that particular model. I mean, it really is a beautiful design. It's, it, it's almost like so rare. I rarely often get to see one that much, you know, I mean, they'll be at the shows, but not, not too many of them um, are just around. So yeah, it's it's one of those it's, it's, it's one of those cars where I, for years I've been talking. You know, I, I bought mine back in two thousand, uh, two thousand three or four. I bought mine, and then, you know, I just wanted it because it was a a unique vehicle. And then I yeah. always thought they looked super cool, and I never really saw a bunch of people that had them. And then you know, once mine was built, you know going to car shows and things like that, all of a sudden you start to see, you know, when we were back into them in the eighties and whatnot, a type 34 Gia was like, who even knows what that is. They're really not that cool and whatever with that car, but like oval windows and split windows were super rare. And now we fast forward, you know, 30 years later and you go to a car show and there's 25 split windows there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But still the type 34 Gia, there are, there, there, in my opinion, one of the most undervalued Volkswagens that's out there that was actually a coach-built sports car for the factory, short of like head mulers and things to that degree, you know, the Type 34 Gia being such an expensive car built in such limited production, I believe, is, has been undervalued for a long time. And we start to see the market catching up with that. But that being the case with such a limited market pool, there's not a lot of things that are available i mean there was there was one and then when someone comes up with a part all of a sudden they just get sold out like no no big deal when when i was restoring mine back in the back in the early 2000s you know uh, there was a guy in thailand that started producing the rubber and Mm. one phone call i bought all the rubber pieces he had because you know i was like well i'm restoring my car i need to get them they weren't available there was all these how-tos on how to make your own and i was much less into that than than buying it and i bought it from this guy and then, you know, a year later, the guy's no longer in business doing, selling, whatever. And, yeah. you know, so it's you know, when something does come out, you know, there's one part that they make that's a plastic piece. That's the hood catch. And mm-hmm. it's and it's kind of a it's kind of a half coved piece that mounts and it's made out of like a plastic. You know, I think the one that I had, someone had reproduced it and made it a Delron. And it's probably about an inch and a half tall, maybe one inch wide, and it just bolts to where the hood latch go, where the hood catch goes. So once you okay. pop the hood, the re- the repetition of the hood latch locking and unlo- catching and uncatching 
won't scratch the paint. But oh, okay. Yeah, when those pieces were made, like I was pretty stoked to get one. Then people would look at my car and go, "Oh man, where'd you get that?" And then I, I don't even know if the guy still makes them anymore. But yeah, they're these little tiny pieces that, you know, I think yeah. in what you do, there's always going to be a market. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It. It. It's. Um. You know that that conversation with Lee, it it, it really brought the, um, sort of the focus of like. You know, when when all of us are, are in the, the hobby of, of of Volkswagen making parts for the community, there's always the question of like, um, you know, the tooling and molding is going to be typically um, depending on the size of, of the pieces. But you know, there's going to be probably the factory's going to want to make at least a thousand pieces, you know, right. at the minimum five hundred of something, whatever it is. And, and so we have to ask ourselves, you know, how long is it going to take to move that inventory? Um, is it going to be like a lifetime of like, I'm going to have this stuff, you know, at, at my house of just, you know, I'll sell 50 of them right away. But then what am I going to do with uh, the other 900? Like, right. is, that, is that the run? So there's always a question of like, is the investment and time of something that we know there's we know there's a demand and there's a, a need but is it how much you know and i think it's it, it it's it's brought my uh, awareness and sensitivity that that's why some of the things need this you know whisper west and these other uh i think you know they, they they're fully capable of making great stuff but they gotta ask themselves is there enough market for those little pieces in 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 the time frame that they they think they can move them and uh I, you know I'm, I'm always asking myself that um i i can't i can't hold thousands of pieces it's just, sure you know i'd rather sort of put, roll roll the dice on on like you know parts or designs that can cross over multiple years um it'd be great if you can go on multiple models um sometimes they, they just can't but i, I think it's like the type three Gia, uh, the Razor model, is it is probably the one car where there's just like we know there's not many of these in the world and not many of it even being restored at the moment, you know. So there's like just this handful of people that need this one piece and part, and you know, it's I, I feel for the people that are restoring those cars because um, if they need a whole bunch of pieces and parts to finish the car. You know, they're probably having to wait and get a lot of stuff on the Samba or I know, but it sounds like Lee tends to have a good lead on people that have the parts. Um, right. It's just kind of, you have to wait and be patient with when it, it does come to market. So different yeah. than the Beetle, you know, putting the Beetle together, it's tons of stuff on eBay and the Samba and, you know, to all the other part, part companies that, that are starting to reproduce I think a lot, a lot nicer stuff these days. You know, it's, it's, I think we're we're living in, a, in a, I think, a good time now because every everyone's wanting the quality to be higher, and I think that that's that's a good thing. It's, we're demanding it. No, in that sense. I, absolutely. And I think that one of the other things is, you know, with the technology that's available, like literally now. I mean, it it, it seems oxymoronic to say but you have backyard technology like 3d printers as backyard as i guess that could be right mm -hmm. because yeah. with the technology of having 3d plastic printers 
I'm sure it won't be long until, and I think they already have them, but 3D like metal printers that can actually produce things out of, you know, uh, like slightly molten metal um, that's that's brought to, uh, you know, the, the point of, um, you know, right where it's about to, I guess you'd call it emulsify. I don't know, I'm just a contractor, what do I know? But, uh, you know, and, and it prints it in these little dots, and by the time it prints it, it's just, it's just liquefied to the point where it's on the verge of hardening and if they're printing it at a pace where they can do that they can actually start building things out of metals you know yeah, yeah. so yeah we're, yeah, we're in sure. a super I mean, lucky time because you can yeah. you can des- you can design that and as the software becomes now the software is becoming even easier where your average guy can design things you know yeah 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 i i definitely feel like the like you just said, the 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 beauty of what I think, like any technology, is that um, the equipment's going to get cheaper and it's going to be able to build more more quantities at faster rates, and the uh, the prices of, like just for example, um, the the the, the keychains that I don't manufacture, but I'll I'll, I'll actually make a metal keychain from a three D printer. And the cost of them is not cheap, but I think like everything, the the metal 3D printing technology, um, it'll, it will get cheaper. It has to. And I think there's going to be this weird tipping point where um, once the 3D printing technology gets to a point where it could produce the volume and, and the, the, the times it takes to actually print the products, once that speeds up and uh, the actual surface finish is, is the real hang up right yeah. now on 3D printing because you could get really super fine finishes. It's just you're limited to, to the time and materials it takes to produce those. But I think it's just we'll get there and the actual um, output of those 3D printers will be in metal and any finish and it will just be what kind of volumes um, are we wanting. And right. So the old traditional tooling and molding and and, and and all those processes will exist for for mass volumes, but for I think for low volume and and small batches, you know that's going to be a game changer. Um, I think because just that, that that idea of spending thousands on the mold and and tooling. You know, it, 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 it's a it's a roadblock for a lot of this because, you know, if we, we're having to, to spend this big chunk of money in the molds, uh, we have to ask ourselves, are we gonna when when are we gonna get back to break even and how many pieces will we have to, to sell to get there? Whereas on the three D printing side, that first print that comes out is profit. It's just time in in terms of the the CAD work and the development to make sure it's the right size and fits. And so that, that that that's what I'm looking forward to is when when I can get into that space where I can truly serve the 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 low volume markets, um, but the cost is easier because right now metal 3D printing is not not so great yeah. in terms of the the ability to sell it well and like so. and like everything else you know technology you know i i do my little podcast and i make some things and then i i you know you go down these rabbit holes where you get everywhere and i got down this rabbit hole of 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 you know 
melting aluminum cans and making things. I thought, oh, what can I make that would be cool that I could, you know, sell as a Let's Talk Dubs piece. And then I thought, oh, I could make some keychains, like a 3D style keychain of like, and I could make it from aluminum cans. And, and then I just started thinking, because here I am, I'm watching this YouTube video of this guy melting aluminum cans and just making, you know, making sand cast pieces of whatever. And I just thought like, it, it just, it's one of those things that I think as being VW enthusiasts, we love to create. And that's why we buy a Volkswagen because it's yeah. more than just buying a car, tinting windows and putting a stereo in it, which is the average, the average individual. And, you know, the possibility now has come to where, you know, my friend that my friend that uh, had bought a uh, a smelter called me. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm going to sell my smelter. Do you want it for 200 bucks?" And I'm like, "I got a garage full of stuff, like every VW guy has." And I'm like, "I don't know, maybe 200 bucks is worth it for a smelter." And I'm like, "What am I buying a smelter for?" Like, but it it's just the it's the process of creating, and it's funny because everything in the VW scene, if it's Volkswagen related, has a tendency to have this intrinsic value. Because, because it's VW specific, and someone made it at a time. There's a there's a guy in Las Vegas that used to make an oil filter adapter, right? Or not oil filter, excuse me, an oil filler adapter. So it, it, it was a quarter turned cast aluminum elbow, and it was stamped ATI and it said About Time Inc. wrapped around it, and it was a ninety degree. Uh, a 90 degree elbow that went on your oil fill. So instead of it wow. being at a 45, it yeah. brought it up to a, a flat level. So you just pour your oil in it, but it was okay. something, it was something that the guy here in Las Vegas made. And okay. yeah, yeah. cause I have one and it had that about time ink stamped on it. And then I ran into a guy and some dude just collects them all. And I thought that was just crazy, but you know, here you go. And there's an, there's a value to those because if someone gets to find out who the guy is that made those, well, yeah. then you have, you know, you, you get some story on why he made them and it's just a cool little piece that's super rare, just like the old impy stuff or whatever. But there's always, because in this hobby, there's always, you know, so much contributed by the enthusiasts. And I, yeah. and I think that may be what keeps our hobby so pure. And what I mean by pure is like, there are those people that get into the VW hobby that are like the flash in the pan. Like you meet a guy at work and he's like, oh, you got an old bug. I want an old bug. Then he gets an old bug. He's like, hey, man, where do you take it for service? And you just look at him like mm-hmm. you kind of service it yourself. And the hobby weeds these people out pretty quick. And because they're just not cut out for the hobby, it's not one of these things where you get in this hobby unless you've got a bottomless wallet. You don't really get in this hobby and find someone that can service your stuff and you can, you know, you can, you can be a fair weather VW enthusiast cause you're going to get pretty frustrated pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. You know? So I, I think that's one of the great things that, that you're able to do that I'm able, I mean, I'm able to create a podcast to put out for the VW community that I get a lot of feedback on that people that are really into this hobby love it because nobody has the time to track down Kevin Nagatani and and chew his ear for an hour about making parts and pieces, but they want to. They want to know about it. They want to hear about it. Just like no no big corporation has the time to make the keychains, the stickers, the decals, the accessories, the pieces and parts that you make. Nor do they believe that there's a market. And you're not making it to make a profit. Your 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 genesis for making it is because you think it's something cool. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it, it's like, you know, as a kid, when when my brother and I would would finish a car, and you know, it it's like you you just got to know every single nut and bolt, and and now I I, I just there's the childhood aspect of the car. Like I think a lot of people were, you know, they weren't they weren't working on them per se, but they drove them, you know, as that was their commuter car right. back in the day. And I think there's there's such a, a uh, the fan base, whether um, you you own one now or you you had one, I think the uh, the amount of people that I think like for example, my brother has a little convertible that when he takes to the to the grocery store, he's told me so many times people just come up to him, um, just say, "Oh, I had one of these," blah 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 blah, and I think that is very common with the the community that they'll when they fill up their gas, they're just taking their car to the grocery store is they'll get, they'll get either waves or people are just walking up to them and say, you know what? I had a, I had a 68, you know, and there's just kind of go off on the story of, you know, their life, you know, and yeah. think, what, what other car kind of brings that out of, of community and conversation. You know, I, I think the Volkswagen is truly does that. Um, yeah, and I think it's the broad-based appeal because there were so many of them out there. Whether yeah. somebody was, you know, uh, an enthusiast or not, they've got a connection to it, which is why it's, it seems to be such a broad-based um, group of of people that have a connection to them. I mean, that's what I get all the time whenever I'm in my bus or a bug or something somewhere. Someone's got something, a story mm-hmm. to tell mm-hmm. or something, even whether they're whether they're an enthusiast or not, but. It, and and it brings me back to the point where you know, in my opinion, VWs are as American as apple pie, you know, because yeah, it's it's this car that was just part of a culture here, and it's still yeah. a huge part of the culture, and and although the car was German in design and manufacturing and all that stuff, when it came here, I mean, that was basically where they printed the blank canvas, and then they sent them all over the world. And then you get from the Jersey look to the California look and the Baja and the, you know, all these different iterations of this blank canvas. And so I think, you know, you, because of the freedom we have in this country and the lack of limitations like they have in Europe with uh, car regulations and safety and all that stuff, we we're allowed to have that flexibility where we can modify vehicles heavily here and whether it catches on or not, it becomes part of part of our opportunity for freedom of expression of how we want our Volkswagen to be viewed. And then we find people with similar attributes to that. And then we can all go to VW shows because there's a place for everybody there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether yeah. you're the off-road guys or the vintage guys or the type three guys or the bus guys, you know, there's that, you know, when you have these huge VW events, there's a certain appreciation that goes into all of them. And, and the cool part about what you're doing is there's a lot of pieces that are universal for it. You know, like the door, the door jam stickers, the service reminders, things to that extent. And, and I just, I just like that you're out there doing it. And even in today's day and age, it's something that stays pure to the extent of it's, it's as organic as, as anything can get because the majority of the things are created. The really cool things are always created by the enthusiasts, you know? And so, 
that that's just one of the genuine the the genuine aspects of it. So one of the things since we're talking about this, one of the things that I wanted to, to ask you about was the um the you had like a bib for the gas can for the gas tank, which I thought was pretty cool. Was that an actual accessory at one time, or is that just an idea that you came up with on your own? Oh yeah, that one. You know, I have to say, Bill, a lot a lot of like that that idea, uh, for example, was yeah, I'll just be looking at other cars, I'll look at other um, makes and models, um, and I, I I knew like the Porsche had that um, on on their car. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know like even some of our, our even late model cars that run around now, there, there's something of, of a material that helps um, protect those, the, the gas dribbles. And I just felt like um, someone told me like there was something that I think he said like a gas station made made them for the BWs. But, you know, not, not much to where you don't see them used or you don't see them in swap markets and the swap meets. So yeah. I just said, you know what? You know, I, I, I run to that point where it's like one of my cars, I, I came to the gas, gas tank and I, I just, I, I realized that, you know, as I sort of moved that nozzle back and forth, the odds of, of gas dripping on that tank on the fresh paint, it's like, I gotta be so careful with how I sort of handle that, you know, that little transition you know where it's free and clear of the chunk area so you know what that's the reason why they have the bibs it's just like you can kind of be a little carefree you know as you tap the nozzle on the on the thing and whatever chips are finished so i said you know what the, the bug needs one of these so i just yeah. crafted one and i did one in leather i saw that the porsche porsche did theirs uh in one of the early uh models i think maybe the, the 912 um they did. They, they have a leather version. Yeah, so the, the yeah. three fifty six also, I think, had one as well. Yeah, so it, that, that's a good example. But I'll, I'll just kind of keep my eye out on um, similar areas of, of the car and, and what what you know. We all have the gas tanks, but there's a detail that for some reason it, it it's like that it came factory and obviously Porsche added a, a little bit more um, just function and styling. Um, to the car um, compared to the VW was so utilitary and it makes sense. You know, they, they're not going to add all these things on the car, you know, cause it's just it's additional cost for, you know, such a basic car. So I thought, you know what, just, just do one for, for the bug, see, see how it goes. Yeah. One of the things that I, that I liked that I saw in here that was pretty unique are the, the uh, jack plugs that you have. Tell me about oh, the reflectors. Yeah, how'd you come up with that idea for the jack plug? That's pretty. It's a pretty unique thing. You know, I, I, I like a lot of people. I have that uh, that that plug that's a cap that allows you to pull the the hub cap off. Sure, the chrome cap. Yeah, and so um, I was playing with reflectors on on the bumper, um, and I I kind of had this idea of like a little bullet accessory reflector that would mount on the bumper that mm-hmm. had the same bullet look as on the fender. And then sort of, you know, what I typically do is I'll just I'll buy some reflectors and I'll just have them at my desk and I'm just, cause I have these piece, pieces and parts and I just say, you know what, what, what does a reflector look like on the side? And I just knew it's like we had, we, we all have a jack hole as, as a space and function to, to place it. 
Right. And so it was, it was, you know, it started out as somewhere to put a reflector on the bubble. But then I just, because I had it in my hand, I said, you know what, that, that the jack on the side, that's, that's an area where, you know, I, I just look at all the modern cars. You know, there's some reflector, whether it's amber in the front and it's, it's red in the back, and they typically are located on the, on the side of the bumpers. So I said, you know, the side of the car is, is, a, is, a, is a spot where reflectors do live. So I said, you know what, let's, let's see what we could do with um, using that jack hole. And then, and then I just realized, you know, I could design the actual holder to where I could maybe put a little flush inside of it. So that, that then added one little hopeful function around the side of the road that you can store that little skinny flashlight. And I, and I feel like I got to keep the function of hubcap. So I really thought whoever came up with the idea of the clip tension uh, design, I think that was, that's perfect. That's a great, great design. Cause it, it keeps that piece in, in the square uh, container and, and then, you know, you can use it to pull your hep cups off. So, so I, I got to keep that because then that, I, I need something to hold it in. And and with all the stuck hubcaps, you know, we got to keep that. Sure. Alive, so. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, yeah. yeah, there's a there's just a lot of unique stuff. And I, I definitely encourage our listeners to go on to Project Therapy and check it out and, and, and uh, you know, take a look at that product, the product line you have there. Cause it's just, you know, and the reason why I wanted to have you on here is not just to promote your product. That was, that's secondary. That's just going to be a natural progression of us having a conversation of why you do what you do. And, you know, I, my thing was like, well, you know, clearly I, I know no one's getting rich doing stuff like this. So there has to be a passion behind it. And that's why yeah, I wanted, yeah. I wanted to get you on here. You know, I see that I saw, I just saw one of the things is I'm, cause I'm sitting here cruising your, your Etsy page and I saw a, a magnet gas cap holder. And I thought, well, that's a pretty dang good idea. Cause you know, and, and, and a lot of stuff that you do, you do with magnets so that you don't have to put holes in the car. Yeah. That, that, the, the, the beauty of the magnet, which, you know, I, I don't think we, we had the luxury, um, you know, years ago is that, um, that they're able to with those earth magnets, right. the, the power of the, of the strength is really, really good now. And the sizing can be very small. So, you know, some things it's just, it's too heavy. It's just the magnet's not going to work, but some things, you know, we could like, yeah, it's like, I don't want to drill my car. I don't think anyone else does. So, if I can figure out a way to, you know, if the function is that it needs to attach or it needs to connect, can we do it without screwing into the car? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, no, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to put holes in their, uh, in the, in their rare vintage Volkswagen. So, yeah. Well, no, that's cool. So now do you currently, if people have ideas and whatnot, are they able to reach out to you and get that information to you? Let's say someone's got an idea for an accessory and you know, whatnot. I mean, how do, how do people get in touch with you or is that something you even do? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I welcome any, any just direct messages and, and that, that, that happens quite frequently. It's, it's a question of, am I able to do it just, you know, to, to, to know what they're wanting because uh, you know it's it's a it goes back to like oh man I just I wish I had a manufacturing factory and, and we can we can manage that that mold or 
a lot of things I, you know, I'll definitely say, let me, let me, sometimes someone um, just has an idea. I say, you know, I, I like that idea. That's, I, I never would have thought of that. And then, then I'll sort of, you know, go in my direction of what, what an idea could have been. Uh, one example, that's a great question you just asked. Someone said, you know, on my spark plugs, um, every time I change my plugs and wires, I always get paranoid when I put it all back together. Like, am I crossing the wires up? And did I, am I sort of putting them in the right location? And he said, can, can you just think of something where we can, we can mark the plug wire to the corresponding plug so we just know, you know, when we put it all back together, it's, it's right. Oh man, that's a great problem, right? Because you know, if you're not if you're not doing tune-ups all the time, then you're you're sort of having to go back to the manual books to make sure right. it's correct. So, one of the more recent uh, little magnet things I made was something you can just put on the shroud, and it has the diagram of, of the cylinder um, numbers and your your the little icon of the distributor cap. Yeah. So the numbers coordinate to um, where the plug needs to go um, in terms of the wire. So, you know, that was definitely, I give credit to uh, the community. It's like they, they had a problem. Truly was something that I can relate to. And it's like, how do we, what's the best way to solve it? Where, you know, it's simple. It's just an easy thing. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to do too much to our car. But right. we get some, some instruction uh, function out of it and hopefully my, my take on their angles maybe it came from the, the look of the factory where they gave that to us and the more I dug into that it's like you know Porsche does that for for their cars um, so I just kind of took the design roughly of what the Porsche um, decal looks like and you know the cylinders are, are you know I think there was a six cylinder on the Porsche you know I had to modify it to a four and just I put the German language and and just made it look like Canada. Yeah, this yeah because it came from the factory. It, you know, but you know I think some of the details, especially in the engine, as 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 the car went up in the years from like um, let's just say a, above the sixteen hundred and up, mm-hmm. they they did add those those instructional details. Like uh, I know there's a timing decal. Uh, which I know the early models didn't have. There's all the the valve clearance, you know, specs, which the early early 36 horses never had any of that stuff. So right. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I think all of the 36 horsepower or 40 horse people, you know, there's aspects of, you know, some things are just pure like information, which is good, you know. And if it if that wasn't part of the car, I, I'm open to say, hey, you know what, if we need it. To, to help ourselves as we do the tune-ups, but let's do one. You know, it's just it's just good good to good to know and see it without having to break out the manual every time if we're just doing it every once or two three years. You know, yeah, it, can, it definitely comes in handy for people that that don't you know that that aren't super versed in being a mechanic. I mean, it definitely looks like something that that would be really helpful, especially on the side of the road or somebody pulls one of your plug wires or whatever happens. But I think. Uh, it's yeah. definitely it's definitely usable and that and that really is what makes what makes the parts and pieces of value is that if they can if it's less than just an accessory and more of something that'll actually make a difference you know if somebody's 
trying to do a little bit of their own tune up or change their plug wires or whatever the case is. So now that's cool, man. So what, uh, any new, new things you got coming out soon? Um, hmm. I saw your, pro, your prototype in a, a glove box, uh, drink holder, which, uh, you know, the, the drink, I, and so I got to ask you that question, right? So the drink holder design that everybody sees now, the huge basket that goes over the center console or not the, the center tunnel in the car, it's yeah. this huge wireframe basket. I mean, it yeah. looks pretty archaic even for the fifties and it, it works. It's functional. I have one in my square back. Um, it came with the car, but you know, that that's always been a thing that we're so used to with our creature comforts in our modern day cars is we like a place to put our cell phone and our, you know, and to put our drink or something like that when we're driving around. Um, what's been the challenge of like, cause I think everybody's got a, everybody thinks, Hey, it's a great idea to get a cup holder, but how do you create a cup holder that looks like it was built from the factory or an accessory from the factory? That, that, that was always, that's, one of the hardest things because I think it, it's a little subjective um, when when it's like all said and done because I think the the aesthetics of the early cars and then, then we move up into the later models and then there's buses and Kias and Type 3s and you know everything about the interiors you know slightly different and right. creating like I think the basket does allow a little bit of universal um, location um, whether it's, you know, it's sort of like someone made a decision, like we want to just sell a bunch of them and we can go with that one location in the, in the, the market is so much bigger. Whereas if we designed it specifically for, let's just say the Gia, you know, where mm-hmm. that best location for a cup would be for a Gia may not be exactly the best location for a bus, you know? So, right. It's like, but bug and Gia might have a little bit more of a possibility where they could locate in certain areas um, with some similar designs. But the bus and um, you know the Type Three, you know, they're they're that that to me is where I fall short. Is I I don't have a bus in my garage or a Gia or uh, a scrubback or a notchback to just sit in it and say, you know what this feels right. <laughs> so I have to just, you know, either it's getting photos or try try to find a car that I can, I can get myself into. And sometimes I just can't, therefore I just, I can't get, get into that design at the moment. Um, but I think the cup holder, the cup holder is an interesting thing because we're so used to it being such a convenient and proper, uh, location of what we're used to in a, everyday cars and and where we put it in 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 the early deals it's you know there's a little bit of like if if i if i had my like where it's very easy and practical is that it's in between the seats you know sure and that's sort of like i'm not having to uh, reach or lunge or do anything that compromises my driving position and, and so that's probably one of the problems with my design is that in the glove box, um, I have to sort of say, is that really the best from safety standpoint? Probably not because you're reaching and lunging and, you know, it, it, it may be a good design because it's hidden and it's, and it's out of the way. Um, but 
uh, from the user standpoint, I have to really use it and drive it and ask myself, does, does this really solve it better than, you know, it's like the basket. I think they've sold tons of those. I've seen them everywhere. So, yeah, there's I mean, a, it, there's, there, there's a lot of them. I just think they're not super, um, just not super attractive in their, yeah. in their design. And, and that's the thing. It's like, it's a great idea. And the, and, and it shows you that notwithstanding the, and I'm not trying to, to down the basket at all. Don't, don't get me wrong. Listen, it's super, uh, it, it's super functional, but I think it's just one of those things where it's clearly, you know, you look at it and think like, oh man, that could be so much. How could you take that and make it better looking? You know what I mean? Like how could you make yeah, it have exactly. more of a, more of a streamlined look? Yeah. I, I, I agree with you 100% is that sometimes, um, like the basket's a great, great product idea because, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's maybe just saying, um, you know, what would Volkswagen do um, in the accessory department that would take that same function, that same location, that same overall form factor, but how would they just do it from a, a factory perspective? And so it would stay and live right there on the tunnel. Uh, maybe it would, it would have a different way of supporting itself and the materials would be more fitting to the rest of the car. Yeah. Whether it's like, you know, I think VW came out with, a, with their own, um, that tray, you know, that sat underneath. The yeah. The parcel tray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, my, my gut is like, they would probably do something in that vein of a design. Uh, it would have that type of look and feel. Um, and it obviously be that, you know, whether it was the netting or, but, you know, I think, the factory, I always say, the factory boys know what they were doing. And I don't think too many of us question any of the original parts too much about, you know, especially when it comes to uh, the, the accessory pieces. It, it was, just let, let that be as that was, that was the spirit of, of the team at that time. And, you know, I think they were all great, you know, great pieces. Um and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt whatever they came up with. If, if they were had had, had to do a basket for cups, it would probably be the one that everyone would want. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's just that nothing was ever created. So there's a little bit of flexibility of like, you know, it probably like if someone um, took that basket, like you said, how do we do it to where it's just a touch notch nicer? I think you would probably be looked at and they would get probably good reviews you know yeah yeah well what so what do you have you have anything new coming up that we should be on the lookout for um there's there's some i've always got some keychains that are coming up in the pipe there'll be a, a stock smoothie and a new a new fook um design and um that's 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 that um, nice Nice. And then for people to get in touch with you to check out your stuff, go ahead and give me your your uh, site addresses and all that stuff to check out. The easiest way they can get to your products. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's on Etsy and uh, it's Project Therapy Design 
all in one word. And yeah, that, that's where I have this stuff for sale at the moment. Uh, I'll have a, a website um, hopefully coming up in the next two, three weeks that uh, will be a formal website. And, and I'll post that on Facebook and Instagram. And so hopefully I'll, I'll keep that Etsy site um, going just, just so people can't figure out what, what, where the new site is. Oh, very uh, cool. Very yeah, cool. So, well, well, Kevin, I definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, we'll definitely be on the lookout for stuff that you've got coming up and uh, appreciate you taking the time to, to give us some insight as to how project therapy came about and what motivates you to make that happen. Bill, I appreciate, you know, the reach out. It means everything to me. It mm-hmm. really does. I, I haven't, haven't had, had, uh, you know, just a few community members, you know, we'll have conversations about stuff, but having talked to you, I think it's awesome. I really appreciate you giving yeah. me a chance. Yeah, no problem, man. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again. I'm sure. Okay, Bill. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Thanks. If you liked that episode and I know you did make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. You want to support, go to letstalkdubs.com slash store and pick up some new merch. We have three new dope t-shirt designs and the old school is one of my favorites. So make sure you go check those out at letstalkdubs.com. Any comments or questions, email me at bill at letstalkdubs.com. Also tell a friend, we love when you share the podcast and go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review and get a shout out on the podcast. Till next week, guys. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have a problem.